As we begin a brand new year, I bet you're like me. You're asking yourself lots of questions. And some of them are pretty good questions, right? You're probably going, hey, can I get in better shape this year? Can I uh, make more money this year? Be more successful? Maybe have better relationships? Uh, Can I be more healthy? Can I be stronger? Uh, Can I be more on top of things in my life? More organized? Less messy? These are big questions that we ask that can lead to good places. But I think there's a much more important question for us to ask if we are believers in Jesus. And it's this. It's the question we really want to start this year off with. It's the question I want you to begin to ask. And it's this question. Are you becoming more like Jesus? Are you becoming more like Jesus, I think, is the ultimate question for us to be asking right now. Not not all the others, even though they're great questions. The supreme question, if you are a believer in Christ, is this. Are you becoming more like him? Can you see the needle moving in your life, in every area of your life? Are you becoming more like Jesus? The word we're going to use to describe this process is the word Christiformity. Christiformity. Becoming more like Jesus is what this series is going to be all about. And as we navigate the terrain of our lives during the next few weeks, we are going to learn that one of the most important things we can do is to pursue, to lean into, to cooperate with God in this process, this holy, divine, crucial process for the life of every single believer that we become more like Christ. Every day, we become more like Him. So, I invite you to take a journey with me, a journey that can produce more life change than you could ever imagine as we begin to take a road that leads to a destination. And that destination is becoming more like Jesus, Christiformity. So we get the idea of Christiformity from the Apostle Paul in the New Testament. And what we're going to find today as we read several passages from from Paul is that he had a passion to see people become more like Christ. He had a passion not just to see them come to Jesus. That was certainly important and crucial, the beginning point. Uh, But Paul believed deeply in the process of becoming more like Christ. And he wanted to see everything that they did as churches to be a part of that process. 
seeing people become more like Christ. So let's take a look in the book of Galatians. We're going to go there. Paul wrote this letter called an epistle to the the church in Galatia. Now, these were people who loved Jesus. They were Christians, but they were making some big mistakes. And one of their big mistakes is that they had begun to focus on the exterior of their lives instead of focusing on their hearts and what was going on on the inside. And Paul is going to let them know that that's a quick way to never get through the process of Christiformity. Let's read what Paul had to say in Galatians 4, 8 through 19. It says this, Formerly, when you did not know God, you were enslaved to those that by nature are not gods. But now that you have come to know God, or rather to be known by God, how can you turn back again to the weak and worthless elementary principles of the world, whose slaves you want to be once more? You observe days and months and seasons and years. I'm afraid I may have labored over you in vain. Brothers, I entreat you, become as I am, for I also have become as you are. You did me no wrong. You know it was because of a bodily ailment that I preached the gospel to you at first. And though my condition was a trial to you, you did not scorn or despise me, but you received me as an angel of God, as Christ Jesus. What then has become of your blessedness? For I testify to you that if possible, you would have gouged out your eyes and given them to me. Have I then become your enemy by telling you the truth? They make much of you, but for no good purpose. They want to shut you out that you may make much of them. It is always good to be made much of for a good purpose, and not only when I am present with you, my little children. Now, here we go. Here's Paul telling us what he really wants us to hear, verse 19. My little children, for whom I am again in the anguish of childbirth until Christ is formed in you. Now, these are powerful words from Paul to the church of Galatia. Let's now dive into all that he meant by these powerful words. So what's going on here when Paul writes this letter to the Galatians? He obviously cares about them and he loves them. And you get a lot of great personal insight into what's happening and into the relationship between Paul and the Galatians. So first of all, Paul has preached the gospel to them. He's kind of their spiritual father. And he reminds them that when he did that, when he preached the gospel, not religion, but the gospel to them, that he was not well when he did that. He had a health issue. And from what it looks like, he had an, an, a health issue that caused caused his body to look horrific. So who knows if it was a breakout on his skin, who knows what he was dealing with, but a lot of people scorned Paul for his exterior appearance during that time, but not the Galatians. They loved Paul. They didn't care what he looked like when he was sick. They wanted to hear from him and they treated him with great respect and he honors them for that. He tells them, hey, when I was in bad shape, you took me in and you listened to me. You treated me with great honor. And then he reminds them that he preached to them the true gospel the gospel that God would know them and that they would know God and that this had set them free. But who is he talking about that's causing all the problems here? He's talking about a group of religious zealots known as the Judaizers during that time. These were people that infiltrated the early churches. And what they did is they began to try to force people through guilt and manipulation in many different ways back into the old Jewish system, uh, which was a very religious system. And what they wanted them to do is they wanted them to cross every T and dot every I and, and make sure that they did the right things at all times to try to please God. Now, that is what you call a works-based 
process of religion. And that's not what Paul gave the Galatians. And by the way, that's not what you and I have been given with the gospel. The gospel is not religion. The gospel is not works-based. The gospel is about what God has done for us, not what we do. And so Paul is wondering why in the world, you can hear it in his voice here, right? He wonders why in the world would the Galatians go back to that? Why would they go back to an empty religion when they've been giving the living gospel? Why would they go back to an exterior-focused religion when they had experienced the inward transformation that only God can bring? And notice at the end, after he lays all of that out, after Paul says, hey, this this old way is worthless now. We've been given the better way, the new covenant, uh, the work of the gospel in our lives. Paul tells him, he says, here's what I want to see happen. And I want you to see just how badly he wants this to happen. Now, Paul obviously was not a woman, so he'd never given birth. But he, uh, he was familiar, obviously, with the pains of childbirth, right? And so he tells them, he says, like a a mother giving birth to a child, that kind of gut-wrenching pain. He says, I have that kind of anticipation and desire, and literally I ache for you. And what does he ache for? What does he want to see happen for the Galatians? He wants Christ to be formed in them. That's what he says. The Apostle Paul was not just a theologian. He was not just a great writer, not just a great speaker. He was, at his heart, a pastor, a shepherd. And for every church, not just Galatia, but Ephesus and and Thessalonica and, and the Colossians and all of these churches that he was a part of, he wanted those believers. If you were a Christian, the moment you came to Christ, Paul wanted everything in your life to move towards Christiformity, the formation of Christ inside of us. He wanted that to happen. And and what he he was offering the Galatians was not just a new to-do list. He was was offering them something that was greater than that. He was was talking about inward transformation that would indeed eventually change what we do on the outside. But what he was trying to do is keep the Galatians from going back to an old system. Now, many of us every single January go into a system where we work on our exterior, right? Right. Uh, we think it's all about that, success, getting in shape, the diet, the gym, all of those things that we do. The problem is it never works, does it, unless you change who you are, unless you change what's going on inside of you. And Paul's making a great case here. You need, you need to understand that that trying to change your life from the outside in, especially in a spiritual sense, would be like if if, if you had a broken arm and you just took Tylenol. Now, the Tylenol is going to to have an impact, what it's going to do is going to treat the symptom, but, but taking Tylenol and pain medicine can never heal your broken bone. You're actually going to have to go into the arm and fix the broken bone, the, the break that is causing the pain. And see, what often happens is all of us as humans, we have this propensity. It's where religion comes from. We have a propensity to try to fix our deepest problems on our own, and we always start from the outside in. And we think if we can just be more successful, if we can just make more money, if if we can just get in shape, if we can just get that thing we've wanted for so long, if we get our exterior of our lives right, we think that it'll really change us, and it never does. The Bible tells us it can't work that way. See, the gospel is not an outside-in experience. It is an inside-out. So today, we are going to hear from Paul. We're going to unpack what this idea of Christiformity is because the true thing that will change your life is if you'll begin to pursue, cooperate, be passionate about becoming more like Jesus in your life. 
So Paul uses an incredible word in these scriptures that we just read in the book of Galatians. When he says, I want to see Christ formed in you, this idea of form, this word form, is a Greek word. And the Greek word that Paul used here is the word morphu. Morphu is this beautiful word in the Greek language. is so beautiful anyway. And there's such nuance in the language. Often the English language will take one word to mean a whole bunch of stuff. But the Greek language tends to use so many words to, to really get to the heart of what the language is trying to say. And this word morphu is amazing because what it means, listen, the definition of morphu is not an external thing. It is essential form rather than outward shape. That's exactly what Paul was talking about. He's talking to this group of Christians in a church that got really into, because of the uh, the influence of the Judaizers, these religious people that want them to continue to work on the exterior and get everything right and get the days right and the feast and the festivals and all that stuff. Uh, well, Paul's going a different direction. He's going to inward change. And so he uses that word, morphu, because he's dealing with a group of people that are so focused on the outside in every possible way. And of course, they were raised that way. The Pharisees were that way. It's why Jesus looked at the Pharisees one day and he said, you, you guys are foolish. You clean the outside of the cup, you leave the inside of the cup dirty. And Jesus told him, he said, if you would clean the inside of the cup, the cup would be clean. That's exactly what Paul's getting at here with the Galatian believers. So morphu is what we're looking at today. See, this idea of Christiformity is really the idea of God going to work on the essential part of us. Not our outward shape, but our inward essence, who we are, the deepest part, the core of who we are. And too many times, that work is simply too hard for us to face. It's easier, frankly, to go to the gym, go on a diet, get yourself into a calorie deficit and lose some pounds. It's easier to get a new hairdo. It's easier, frankly, to, to work and get a better job than it is to work on who you really are. And see, what Paul wants to see for all believers, not just Galatian believers, but for us today, wherever you're joining us, uh, whatever town you're in, whether you're local to where our campuses are, whether you're somewhere across the world, I can tell you this. If you're a Christian, a process began when you uh, became a Christian by faith in Jesus. You didn't earn it. You didn't work yourself into that. It was a gift from God. But a process began at that very moment. And that process is Christiformity. It's God using everything in your life uh, to make you more like his son, Jesus. That is the goal. And he will use lots of different things like a blacksmith uses an anvil. When a blacksmith uses an anvil, he will, he will take metal and put it on it, heat it up, and he will bend it across that anvil. He will hammer it out, and he will shape that metal into what he intends it to be. That's exactly the process of Christiformity in our lives. And what we're going to look at over the next few weeks is several different, if you will, anvils that God uses in our lives to shape us, to mold us, to sharpen us, to make us who he has created us to be. But I want you to know it is not haphazard. There's a goal in mind. And the goal is that you and I would become more like Jesus. Now, the Apostle Paul is talking to the Galatians not about something he, he doesn't know about. He, he's not one of those experts that tells you what to do but doesn't do this himself. 
Paul actually had experienced both sides of this argument. He had tried to do life from the outside in. He had tried to do life without the gospel and and instead doing it from a religious standpoint. He tried to be a better person. He had tried to be the best. In fact, he says this uh, in an incredible place in the scriptures. In Galatians 1, 14 through 16, he says this, I was advancing in Judaism beyond many of my own age among my people, and I was extremely zealous for the traditions of my fathers. But when God, who set me apart from my mother's womb and called me by his grace, was pleased to reveal his son in me so that I might preach him among the Gentiles, my immediate response was not to consult any human being. So Paul says to the Galatians, look, I've been there. He says, I've tried what you're trying. I've tried to be the best of the best. And he says, I was pretty good at it. I was better than anyone else my age. So Paul says, the only folks who were, be, who were better at being religious than me were people who were older than me, than me and had been doing it longer. But he says, anyone close to my age, I was the best. I was the best Jew you could find anywhere. I crossed every T. I dotted every I. I was keeping the law the best a human could. And I was a really good guy and good at it. And not only that, he, he makes the point in other places in the New Testament, he was a zealot. He wanted to protect the faith. And he and unfortunately, he attacked early Christianity before he himself became a Christian. And look what Paul says. He says, I was doing that and it did not work. And then by grace, Paul says, I was called out of that. I was called to a grace-centered faith in Jesus. He called me out of that. And Paul's saying, and I never want to go back. And look how he, how, how he kind of puts a period on the end of this statement. He says, once I had Jesus, I didn't need to consult another human. What is he saying? He's telling the Galatians that if they're not careful, they're going to let human beings with their religious systems shape them rather than the hand of God and the truth of the gospel shape their lives. Uh, Paul is calling them and us to a better way. So the first step of us becoming more like Jesus is to understand that it's not about what we do. It is about what he has done. Christiformity starts right there. But make no mistake. Paul, all the apostles, Jesus himself, the entire New Testament is pointing us to this incredible process, a process that you and I can step into. So what is Christiformity and how is God working it in our lives? Let's talk about that for a few moments right now. So once again, as we ask the most important question as believers, as we kick off this new year, We don't want to ask the wrong questions. We want to ask the essential question. Are we becoming more like Jesus? And what we're finding is that's exactly the goal uh, that the Apostle Paul, the Apostle that the whole Bible has for us. God's using everything in our lives to make us more like Jesus as anvils, if you will, to shape us upon them. And so what does it look like? What's the heart of this Christiformity idea? Well, the heart of it is form. The idea is to form. Christiformity is becoming more like Jesus. And when you talk about form, what you really mean is maturity, the idea of maturing. Look, I'm a dad. I have three kids and I have watched my kids. It's so fun at Christmas time to look back at the pictures from Christmas and see how they have physically grown and look at videos and see how their little voices have changed. And now I have a 15-year-old who who is intellectually just maturing so much that I can have like these adult conversations with him where we talk about life and things of great depth. And, and it's just amazing to watch a kid grow. Now, when you watch a human being mature and parents get a front seat to this and pastors get to see uh, people grow you know, in their faith, which is incredible to watch, one thing that is interesting is is that these you have these benchmarks as people grow right 
So as kids, you watch your children uh, grow and you go, okay, now they're talking and now they're out of diapers. And I can remember all those great benchmarks and, and oh man, they're riding the bike for the first time. And look, they had their first little group of friends and oh goodness, they just stayed over at a friend's house for the first time. And, and it just moves on and on and on as they move through life and as they grow and mature. And then there comes this point where you really begin to see who a kid is, right? I don't know what age it is. I think it's different for all kids, but I know with my children as they have grown, you begin to go, oh, now that's who he is or that's who she is. Like there's a lot of things that are still going to change, but you begin to see them come into their own, if you will. They're not just a baby anymore. They're not just a child. There are things that are very distinct about them. They're becoming who they are. Uh, with boys, sometimes we go, they're becoming a man. With a little girl, we say they're becoming a woman. They're becoming mature and confident in who they are. And often this happens through the high school years and college years. As you develop, you become who you are. There's a needle that you can see moving, right? And pediatricians watch this really closely with children, and they will let parents know if their kid's not growing the way they need to, if things aren't happening the way they should, you need to correct it quickly, maybe through nutrition or medicine or other different treatments. So this is important. Well, the same thing needs to happen in the church for us believers. It is interesting to me. I've been in ministry for a couple of decades now, and here's the thing I've seen. I watch people so often come to faith in Christ and then not grow very much at all or grow far too slowly. Did you know that the Apostle Paul saw the same thing in the churches that he led? And he warned them and he exhorted them to change that. See, you can either slow that process of Christiformity way down, or you can cooperate with God and jump in there and pursue it and, and, and actually begin to be a part of speeding that process up in your lives. Listen to what Paul had to say to the churches in Hebrews chapter 5, verse 12. He said this. He said, for though by this time you ought to be teachers, he's talking to a group of Christians, he said, you still need someone to teach you, again, the basic principles of the oracles of God. You need milk and not solid food. Now, Paul has given a scathing indictment to this group of believers. What, what is he telling them? He's, he's saying to them, you're not growing fast enough. He's saying, you have been stunted in your growth, and you've chosen this. He tells them, he says, at this point in your faith, you should have grown to the point where you could teach others, but you're not teaching anyone. We still have to teach you the elementary things of the faith. And then he uses an analogy we all get from childhood to adulthood, right? He says, you still need milk. You should be eating solid food. You guys still need a sippy cup. You should be eating ribeyes. That's what he's talking about here. Now, listen, there is nothing cuter. When my kids were little, nothing cuter than watching them drink a bottle. and put. I remember when they could finally hold it in their own hands. That's cute. Let me tell you what's not cute. A 20-year-old with a bottle in their hand, right? That's not cute. That's weird. And you know what all of us want to do when we see a 20-year-old holding a bottle or just being immature? You want to say these words, grow up, right? It's time to grow up because we understand that needle needs to move. But too often, we let it slide when it comes to our Christianity. We let it slide. We live in elementary land. Uh, there was this movie that Adam Sandler played in that I thought was hilarious in high school. It's called Billy Madison, and it's the dumbest movie you've ever seen in your life. Billy Madison had to go back and learn all the elementary stuff again. He literally had to go back through school again. And there were some hilarious moments in it. It was really a ridiculous movie because it showed just how crazy it would look for an adult to go back to elementary school. But we do this all of the time in the church. 
We let Christians spend decades in the church still living in the same immature place they always were. Christiformity is something we should pursue. We should build environments for it. In fact, this idea of Christiformity has become one of our main values at Three Circle Church now. We want everything we do as a church, including the very teaching you're hearing right now, including why we film video teaching the way we do, including the music we sing together, the things we do for children and adults alike, every event we do, everything we do at Three Circle Church, we are wanting more than ever to have laser beam focus that these things we do will lead to the Christiformity in the people who we serve. I want that for your life. I want it for my life. So today, Christiformity is about you growing up. And the question I have again, I'm just going to keep asking it. Are you growing in Christ? Are you different now than you were a year ago? Can you see the needle moving? I didn't ask if you're perfect. I'm not asking if you still struggle. Paul uh, Paul himself would talk about his own struggles. The question is, though, are we growing? Are we changing? Are we still walking around with sippy cups in our hands instead of eating the steak that God intends for us to grow into? That's what Christformity is all about. So as I've been preparing and kind of going through my own journey uh with the Christiformity concept and looking at the writings of the Apostle Paul, a book that I was recently reading, a wonderful book about spiritual formation, led me to a prayer that was that was prayed and written down by one of the great saints of the past. And I want to read you this prayer because I think this prayer will give us something to grab onto, a grid, if you will, uh, to begin to know the first step in Christiformity. Because I know how you are. If you're like me and, and if you're an achiever and you're going to go after it, most Americans are, and if you're in another country, uh, you know, you probably do the same thing. Wherever you're joining us from, the human condition is we want to drive and achieve. And God put that in us, but sometimes it can get out of hand, right? So I bet right now as you hear this, you're thinking, I agree, Chris. If you're a Christian, you're probably going, I want to be more like Jesus. I want to do that. And you're thinking, here's what I need to do. So I bet right now you're probably thinking, I'm going to get a devotional plan and here's what I'm going to read and here's how hard I'm going to try and all that stuff. And if you're like a type A and you're very organized, you're probably going to draw out a little calendar. And by March, you're going to be this much more like Jesus. And and I just want to slow the roll a little bit. All right, let's pump the brakes because the first step of Christiformity is for you to know Jesus and love Jesus and follow Jesus. It's not about what you do, it's about who you know. It, it'll, it'll bec- the, the doing will come, but if the knowing doesn't come first, the doing will never happen. And if it does happen, it will happen very inconsistently if it happens at all. So I want to take a look at this incredible prayer. It's going to give us a grid. I'm going to read you the prayer, then I'm going to break it down a little bit. It's by Richard of Chichester. Listen to this prayer. He says, Thanks be to thee, O Lord Jesus Christ, for all the benefits which thou hast given us for all the pains and insults which thou hast borne for us. O most merciful Redeemer, friend, and brother. And here we go. May we know thee more clearly, love thee more dearly, and follow thee more nearly for thine own sake. Now, Richard of Chichester got this prayer really from his own reading and studying of the Word of God And it lines up perfectly with the words of Christ in Mark 12, 30. It says this, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all of your soul, with all of your mind, and with all of your strength. Now, there's a pattern here. And it gets life in order for us. Because the more we know Him, the more we will love Him. And the more we love Him, the more we will follow Him. So, let's take a few moments and let's take a look at this grid that I want you to start with. 
Because if you're like me, you want to take the journey of Christiformity. You want to step into the process, jump neck deep. All right, I want that for you too. Here's where it starts. It starts with your relationship with Jesus because Paul and the apostles and Jesus himself didn't come to bring you religion or a new to-do list. It is about a relationship with Christ. So that's where we're going to start today. With this prayer, we're going to look at the three different pieces of it for the next few moments. So the first piece that the prayer gives us and the Word of God gives us is we have to know God. Before you can even love Him, you have to know Him. We need to know Him more clearly according to that prayer. More clearly, not just an idea that we have of God, but to know Him more clearly. And the way you know God is by Him revealing Himself to us. None of us would know Him without His self-revelation. And we have this in the person of Christ. We have it in creation. And most specifically, we have it in the Word of God. In our very hands, we're reading the Word of God today. That's where we go to know God more clearly. Uh, listen to what Ephesians 1, 16 through 17 says. This is Paul again. He says, I do not cease to give thanks for you, remembering you in my prayers, that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give you the spirit of wisdom, watch this, and of revelation in the knowledge of him. God wants you to know him. And the apostles prayed for all Christians even us in the future, that we would know God. So the first thing you need to pursue is not what you do for God, but to know Him more, to know Him more clearly. So that's going to include you uh, reading the Word. That's going to include you uh, correcting maybe your own ideas about God that maybe are not right, maybe the things you grew up with, things you experienced, things that you learned that weren't correct. Let the Word of God, let God reveal Himself to you. And guess what's going to happen? We're going to find that when you know Him more clearly, more and more and more clearly, this next thing is going to happen. You're going to then love Him more dearly. And we must love God. You can't love someone you don't know, though, right? Uh, it's, it's like the person that walks up to a girl that he just met uh, at a restaurant or at a party, and he says, you know what? I'm in love with you. He just met her. What's she going to say? You can't love me. You don't even know me. And so we must know God. But the next step, and according to the Bible, as we know more and more of the glories of God, we will love him. We will fall more deeply in love with God. And our affections begin to drive us. 1 John 4.19 says this, We love God because he first loved us. And see, as you love God, you're going to see that he is not the enemy of your joy. He's the source of your joy. So as we know him more, we begin to love him more. And your affections are going to drive your life. The problem is many of us, and the Galatian believers were doing this, they were trying to do without having the love for God. They were trying to be good Christians without even knowing Christ more and loving him more. So Paul wants to reset the whole thing. And, and Jesus himself said that, love the Lord your God first. Heart, soul, inside, not outside. Heart, soul, mind. That's all on the interior. That's what's happening here. Know God more, mind. Love Him more with your soul and heart, your affections. And as the fire of your affections grow like the fire in a blacksmith's shop, the next thing that's going to happen in your life and mine is the exterior changes. It's not that we ignore what's happening on the outside. We just get the order right. And when you know God and then you love Him, guess what the next step is? You will follow Him more nearly. Listen to John 14, 15. Jesus understood the order here. Jesus said, if you love me, and how do you love him? By knowing him. So if you know him, you're loving him. And if you love him, look what he says, you will keep my commandments. You will follow more nearly. See, the outside of our lives, 
which is what the Galatians were focusing on. The outside of your life is not the core, it's the indicator. It's the, it's the low battery signal on your phone telling you that, hey, something's up. It's letting you know what's going on on the inside. And what Jesus is saying here, if you want to know how much you love God and how much you really know him, look at your obedience because knowing God and loving him will always lead to following him and obeying him. And when you put these together, you have what we call Christiformity. You become more and more like Jesus. Now, over the next few weeks, we're going to continue to go back to different anvils that the great blacksmith of heaven himself, Jesus, is using to shape us to be more like himself, to make us more like the Son of God. Uh, but today it begins here. It begins with the gospel. It begins on the inside of you. So before you run out and put together a Christiformity program for your life with reps and and, and weights and, and a good nutrition plan for your own heart and soul. Listen, today it comes back to Jesus. Do you know him? And do you love him? If that's the case, you're going to begin to more and more obey him. So I want to invite you to pray that prayer with us, that prayer that you would pray, God, help me to know you more clearly, to love you more dearly, and to follow you more nearly. And as we do that, we will take those first steps into the blessed and divine process that we are calling Christiformity.